The Judge and the Journalist, Season 1, The Trial of Joe Exotic. Hi there. Welcome to The Judge and the Journalist. I'm Judge Susie Sexton. And I'm Teresa McEwen, the journalist. Hello and back to another episode. And today we are thrilled, I personally am thrilled, to have Todd Foster, who is an attorney, which doesn't really, you know, tell us what he's, his, his background is, and which is so extensive, we can't really go into a lot of it right now. But I will say this, one of the reasons I was gr- uh, thrilled to have him is that uh, Todd's background is he started off as uh, an FBI agent. Then he went into the U.S. Uh, Attorney's Office, which is the prosecutor, and then from there became his rather successful uh, career as a uh, defense attorney. And he has had so many uh, prominent cases locally. His reputation is stellar. And I'm just happy, Todd, that you were able to join us. And uh, if you can amplify that a little bit, I know we don't have enough a lot of time, and we are going to put your bio on the website, but mm-hmm. um, um, welcome, and just tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, and Todd, I just want to say thank you so much for coming today, because you're sort of the perfect little package for us, because you were an FBI agent, and then you were in the federal system. We have so many questions for you, but sure. let's just hear a little bit about your background, just so everybody else knows how awesome you are. <laughs> well, well, thank you, and uh, it's it's nice to be here, and I appreciate the uh, the accolades. I started out in the FBI in the uh, mid-'80s. I started out in Florida. Then I went to uh, Houston, Texas, where I worked on organized crime matters. Wow. And from the FBI in Houston, I joined the United States Attorney's Office initially as a drug prosecutor in Texas. Then I moved here to Florida where I took on violent crime and fraud cases. I was the chief of what we call the major crime section here at that time. And then I went into private practice in 1994, and that's where I've remained since. Very busy man. But he's had some big cases here, but we'll, we, we're going to put those on the, on the website. Now, Todd, as a beginning part of this, a lot of people thought that Joe, I, I'm, I call him Joe Exotic because he's had a number of surnames, but he was charged with conspiracy to kill Carol Baskin. But in actuality, what was the original charge that he was facing? The original charge he was facing was use of an interstate facility to commit murder. So in order for a crime to be a federal crime rather than a state crime, there has to be some interstate component to it. Because as you know, uh, under the Constitution, there's something known as a Commerce Clause. And in order for something to be federal, it has to affect interstate commerce. So you have to actually just cross a state line somehow. In some way. You have to cross a state line or use, as the indictment alleges, a facility. Mail something across state line. A telephone. Use it to make a telephone call uh, that from state to state. Send an interstate wire. But for that interstate, what they call nexus, mm-hmm. there's no federal crime. There's no jurisdiction. There's no federal jurisdiction without the interstate component. Got it. So in when it started off, it was two counts. Uh, you've got the indictment in front of you. It was mm-hmm. two, two counts of that type of thing, correct? Yes. And after that, they, the government, the prosecutors, it's just easy for, easier for me to say prosecutors coming from the state system, but 
uh, they offered him a plea deal on that original indictment. And what, what exactly is an indictment, just for listeners that are trying to figure out these legal terms? Sure. If you, It's actually constitutional that in order to bring somebody to court for a federal crime apart from a misdemeanor, the person has to be indicted by a grand jury. Right. So the grand jury, in theory, is supposed to be this, this hedge, this buffer between uh, the police and the public. So the grand jury are randomly selected people between 16 and 24 people who sit and hear cases. And if the grand jury finds probable cause, that's the standard. If the grand jury finds probable cause to believe that a crime has been committed, they issue what is known as a true bill of indictment. And that's known as the indictment. Right. Well, how much of an how much of a stop is for, mm-hmm. you know, between the person they're trying to charge and actually, I mean, who goes in front of a grand jury? Yeah. Grand juries are many people consider them rubber stamps uh, for the prosecutor. For the right? prosecutor. For and exa- they think the same thing in state court, too. I'm sure. But be, for example, the rules of evidence don't apply right. in, in a grand jury. Defense counsel aren't present in grand juries. Hearsay is freely admissible. Right. So an investigator can testify. I talked to number one who told me he spoke to number two and number two told him that number three confessed to all these crimes. Okay. Can we have an indictment, please? Well, let me ask you something real quick. Have you ever noticed or known of uh, the the prosecutors go in front of the grand jury and they said, no, we don't agree with you? I have heard of that, but it's quite <laughs> rare. But it's quite rare. Yeah, is quite that rare. urban, urban, what do they call <laughs> that? Urban legend. Urban ledger. <laughs> legend, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've not, in my experience, had that happen. And, um, <laughs> and you've been doing this how long? <laughs> I've been doing this since 1983. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah. So that's the prosecutor's game, basically. They, I mean, it's all about them. They go in, they present, and they bring their witnesses in. Well, right? they are doing their job. Let's no, remember. I'm, okay. yeah. I mean, I mean, when I say game, I mean it's just their gig. Well, you, they but do. they don't need to bring their witnesses in be, oh, because don't. of the hearsay rules. Yeah, they so, could just oh. bring in the FBI guy and just sure. talk about whatever he or she do did. Do we know who they brought in and just? Um, no, generally case? grand jury minutes are are secret, right? And they're not disclosed. Okay, so. That's another dynamic that that the prosecutors there there's a rule under the federal court known as the Jenks Act, and the Jenks Act requires that the statement of any witness be disclosed to the defense. Right. Okay. So the Jenks Act requires any verbatim statement or substantially verbatim statement of the witness has to be disclosed to the defense if that person becomes a witness. Got it. So if the prosecutor puts a witness in the grand jury, mm-hmm. it's a verbatim statement. So if the prosecutor doesn't want to disclose the prior statement of the witness, he or she doesn't call the witness to the grand jury. Right. They oh. just call the FBI agent to say, okay, I right. interviewed witness and witness tell me this, this, and this. Therefore, when the witness takes the witness stand... There's a clean slate. There's no right. prior statement from the gotcha. witness. And it's the, like and the an end rule in football. Yeah. And like a an thing. end around. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. Good to know. Okay. But at the first grand jury, Alan testified that I got the money from Robert Amster and gave it to him to go kill Carol. And then between the first indictment and the second indictment, the FBI proved that it wasn't Robert Amster. Okay, but at the second grand jury, Agent Bryant still led the grand jury to believe that it was Robert Ingersoll. 
And then during my trial, when Bill and Kyle, my attorneys and the prosecutors all knew that it wasn't Robert Ingersoll, they still let Allen and, and testify that it was Robert Ingersoll. Agent Bryant lied to the grand jury. So what I want to do, because there's so much to cover here, but so we start off with the two original counts in the indictment, which was possibly using a, a phone to do something. Yeah, right? I think there's travel or, or use of a phone or something. mail or something. Yeah, but but somehow the crossing sta- a state the line. The stakeout, I don't know if you realize this, Todd, but the stakeout for this thing, which never came about to be here, but the stakeout was in the Greyhound bus terminal. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever remember any of those as an FBI guy. But no. so then we go from the original indictment and then of course there's an offer by the government for him to take a plea deal and then he uh turned it down and then we have an indict a superseding indictment. And as a general rule, is is that more a for one of a better term, strategy by the prosecutors, a tactic I mean, um, you know, in state court, what just just for Teresa to know, what we would do is usually it w- it would come in as like say five counts. You already had it set, and then in order to induce the person to enter a plea, you look at your cases and you go, well, these three are the good ones. If he pleads to this, and I'm using he and no yeah. no uh, whatever, but anyway, if he if he pleads to three. We'll we'll drop the two. That's the way it works in state court, as you know, Todd. But here, it's like take this, or we'll we'll put more stuff on you, essentially. Yeah, but legally retaliating against. Oh, I'm not suggesting they retaliate. No, no, no. I'm 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 just giving a little background. So so legally retaliating against somebody for exercising a constitutional right, such as the right to go to trial, Mm -hmm. right, is is bad. You can't do that. But what happens in a lot of cases and may have happened here is the prosecution will tell the defense, we're continuing to investigate. Ah. And right now we're at the point where we have only charged these two counts. Right. However, the agents are continuing to work on this case. We have subpoenas out there. We have witnesses yet to talk to. And if we don't resolve the case as it currently stands, we're going to continue the investigation and there could be more charges later. So you can cut your losses now by entering into a plea or you can choose not to enter the plea and we'll just see where this goes. Well, I'm just wondering how much more investigation they did in this to do the superseding indictment because it was just paper. I mean, we they already knew the Tigers had been killed, yeah. euthanized. So we knew that. And they had all the paperwork. I don't know what much more they were. Because all they did was add on Lacey Act and Endangered Species right, but, Act. But Todd hundreds. was talking about typically this is how they explain it to right. you. No, but that's what I'm trying to make sense of it in Joe's case. That's so there, so every, every time there's an indictment, it's required that there be a witness appear before the grand jury to present the indictment. And I see that there's like a a two-month difference between the initial indictment and the superseding indictment. So there had to have been at least one, possibly more, additional presentations to the grand jury. There there had to have been a presentation to the grand jury on the day that this was filed, which was November 7th, 2018. So that presentation would have presented 
everything new. So although some of these documents may have been pre-existing, they you may have gathered them. They may not have put it together. They may have yeah. not checked There's all the boxes. To, yeah, I didn't Well, I mean, get it. I do know that like Agent Bryant, who mm-hmm. was with the USDA, mm-hmm. he he was in he was at both indictments. Yeah. He was probably what they call the case agent, the person in charge of the investigation. Yeah, because we were asking, we were wondering, like, how does a USDA guy hook up with the FBI? Yeah. Like, we were trying to figure out how that would well, come about. And and getting into the way this stuff works as an FBI agent, because, mm-hmm. you know, people know, like, when, and especially in state court, this happens. Like, your your house gets broken into, you, you know, whatever you call the police, they come out. If they catch somebody, they file something and it starts. How do you like, let's say you're a person that you think there's a case that really is an FBI. It's a federal something. Does the regular citizen have a right to call the FBI and say, we want you to investigate this? How does that happen? Oh, sure. So people do do that. Okay. Some people walk into the FBI office. Really? Oh, sure. And, and Many FBI cases are referrals from state or local agencies. That I know, yeah. But uh, the uh, the uh, many of the cases are referrals from the the people that that the FBI is responsible for protecting. A lot comes from banks. So if the oh, bank something happens to the bank, um, there's funny transactions or any bank or insurance company suffers a large financial loss or a financial loss or suspects that they're the victim of a fraud, that may come in. But people do come into the FBI office and, and the FBI will investigate. When I was a young FBI agent in Jacksonville, Florida, um, I traveled with uh, – there was an agent in Jacksonville whose job it was to go to the state prison once a month to to listen to inmates who had written in – to make complaints about the guards in the prison system, wow. so they sent somebody down there every month to listen to these. It was it was uh, it was Rayford's. It was a men's prison. I know Rayford. So I was I was a new agent. They said, Todd, just go down with them and 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 see how this is done. Mm. So these are even inmates wow. who, who so everybody are, who are has writing. a right to directly. Gee, I can't imagine inmates, you know, complaining. <laughs> Although I got to say, we had we had one. Uh, not that it doesn't happen, I don't mean that, but we had a really bad one down in South Florida, I think, where an inmate was scalded, scalded, mm. yes, you know, by the prison authorities. Oh my God! And I think he had mental yes. issues. I think is what it was. It was a horrible, horrible yeah. thing. I remember reading. That. I think he died. Uh, you know, I, I, you could be right. Back to what we're talking about when they okay. So after we have the superseding indictment and after that point then what discovery what we call discovery in state court what is the defense attorney allowed to have from the government like you've already talked about not get doing the end around what do you have to disclose to the defense sure in what we call discovery what the they're entitled to see. Don't they call it discovery as well? They call it discovery, and it's governed by the rules of federal criminal procedure. So the rules of federal criminal procedure are actually very narrow as to what the prosecution is required to disclose. Usually it's documents that the government intends to use in their case in chief, 
any statements of, of the defendant, any expert reports. But you re- may remember, I'm sure you both do, years ago there was a senator known as Ted Stevens who was indicted and tried, actually convicted in Washington, D.C. And after the trial, I believe it was an FBI agent, came forward and said, here's some evidence which the prosecution never disclosed to you, but you need to see this because Stevens may actually be innocent. Wow. And as a result of that Ted Stevens matter, there were reforms which were initiated in the Justice Department. I think Eric Holder was the U.S. attorney at the time. So many districts have greatly loosened up their discovery disclosures. For example, here in um, Florida, it it is opened up. But I've had a case in New York where they still view the rule and their requirements very narrowly. So, do we know I, what Oklahoma is? By I, any I don't know, but 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 there is some discretion with the prosecutor. Some prosecutors will say, "Here's all the agent reports. Here's all the witness statements. Here's the grand jury minutes. Even you can have it all." Many prosecutors, though, will say you can't have the witness statements. You can't have the grand jury minutes. I am going to give you what the rules of procedure say. I have to give you and nothing more. How do you go to trial if you have if you're dealing with a prosecutor like that? How do you do the best job for your client? Yeah. It's it's difficult. There there are motion practices. You you could go before a court and you could ask the court to give you the defense lawyer subpoena power to go out and subpoena documents which you think you need for your case. I've done that before. I've done, I did that in a case actually in the Northern District of Florida a couple of years ago where the judge agreed and allowed us to get some additional uh, information through court subpoena. And as a result of the additional information we got under the judge's authority, the, uh, the U.S. attorney dismissed the case. So wow. it, it's, it's not easy, and most people don't pursue that, that remedy, but there are remedies. But on the other hand, there are limited disclosures imposed upon the defense, but which really isn't, isn't an equal trade-off because, as, as we all know, the burden of proof is on the government. You, right. And the judge tells the jury at the onset, as I'm sure you've told hundreds of juries, the defense doesn't have to prove anything. Right. So the obligation rests exclusively with the, with the state or the federal government to prove the crime. Therefore, the defense should be made aware of any and all evidence which the state has, not only which tends to prove the person's not guilty, but which tends to prove the person's guilty because we have to be able to prepare to meet the bad evidence right. as as well as use the good evidence uh, affirmatively. Well, am I understanding this right, though, that, for example, in Joe's case— mm-hmm. They come and saw me three times the whole time I was in Grady County Jail— and not one time did we sit and go over discovery material or a plan. Bill always said, oh, we're doing this my way. I said, well, I want these witnesses. And nope, didn't get one witness, not one. John Rinke was, was my manager for 14 years. Why would you not have him as a witness? And he's the one that filled out the forms that I'm in prison for. And he wanted to admit that. Why, 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 why did we not let him testify. And every answer I got was, we're doing this my way. He was not pleased with the job that the public defenders did on his behalf. How much was their fault, so to speak? I mean, were their hands sort of tied in some instances, or could they have been more aggressive in trying to pursue? 
a well, stronger case going in. Well, their hands, of course, are tied by the rules of evidence and the rules of, of discovery and, and by the judge's rulings. They, they may have tried to, to get things and, and to acquire things and were unsuccessful. And the prosecutor may have taken, given the notoriety of publicity, the prosecutors prosecutors want to win, okay? And, and that doesn't mean that, that things that are done are necessarily unethical, but it's an adversarial system by design, right. and an adversarial system is a competitive system. So when you have a competitive system, people want to win. So if a party, government or defense, can tack closely to the rules and limit what they have to disclose to the other side in order to enhance their chances of winning, there's, there's a strong incentive to do so. Well, and also most of the, a lot of the stuff that's done that's in, in the trial is actually heard before trial, pre-trial by the magistrate judges. Is that a fair say? I mean, I not, not every place is the same, right. but for the gen, as that's a general rule, isn't it? Though I think that's right. Most pretrial motion practice, like a motion to suppress or a motion to compel or a motion to to are reviewing the evidence that's going to be admitted, right? Don't they go over those, the exhibits, and no? So when you get to trial, aren't they already uh, gone through where they don't have to have objections in front of the? In court? civil cases, frequently what the the judges will order is an exchange of exhibits. Right. 20, 30 days before trial. And some judges say, OK, all the exhibits are admitted unless you specifically object to this one or this one or, right. or that one just facilitates and moves things along. Criminal cases, you don't see that because the government doesn't have an obligation to disclose its exhibits or the witness associated with the exhibit until the morning of trial. Wow, that seems a so like is it it's true? Difficult. I mean, I've heard this from a couple people. Is it true that that in a federal case that the prosecution wins like 97 percent of the time or something? I think if you count, please, mm-hmm. um, that that in the 90s. And they do in their stats, don't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If you talk about cases being resolved favorably mm-hmm. to, to the government, I think that that's probably true. I doubt that defense only wins 5 percent of, of the trials. But you but you have to. Look at that more closely, too, because if you have a three defendant case and one person gets acquitted, well, the government says we won. Right. Oh. We, we won, too. Or or what happens frequently is an indictment will ha- charge somebody with 10 counts and they'll offer the, the defendant a plea to five and the person goes to trial and is convicted of one. Most lawyers would consider that, defense lawyers would consider that a, a win. Right. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I beat the offer. Right? right. I I did better. But the government would consider that. A win, too. See, we convicted okay. the guy. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right. One of the things that, uh, that I can't understand is why do they not allow c- cameras in federal court in this day and age? It's historic. I, I believe that the, the theory behind not allowing uh, cameras in the courtroom is that it's intimidating to witnesses. But we yeah. we see cameras in the state courts and everywhere yeah and that doesn't and plus you you have cameras on the steps of the courthouse so they know I who's know. coming like, in and out i mean i was i was there for the oj trial and yeah. i mean that was a media circus was the, that from inside edition yeah when i was at inside edition and we actually had a scaffolding across the street mm-hmm. we did live shots every day looking at the courthouse we were, I mean, it was a constant. It was un, it was like a subculture was developed down there. Around well, that the OJ that trial. I think is what developed all the cameras in the courtroom. Yeah, because that was one of the first 
media plays things that I ever remember. It was like that I remember. Yeah, it was huge. But is is there a Anything going on to allow? I mean, like for example, they don't allow cameras at the U.S. Supreme Court, which, as you know, has you know limited seating, and these are cases that are so huge, and it, it would seem like they should allow. How are they going to be intimidating them? Yeah, I I know that there are recordings. It's actually interesting. You right. can go online and you can listen to recordings of Supreme Court cases from 25, 30 years ago, uh, wow. landmark cases. Oh, it's very, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. And I'm sure there are transcripts available too. But just hearing the intonation and, and the, the nature of the question is, is fascinating. It is know? fascinating. But, well, can I can well, I um, just say I think this is a great place because we are running out of time yeah. because of course yeah <gasps> really? ju- I feel like we, we just have... got started. Right yes. Now. Mm-hmm. And but it's so interesting and you have so much information, Todd. So of course we have to have you back. We want to do another episode. And we I think the next episode will be really fun to dig into some of the trial transcripts because sure. it's it and you know, we've got a few that we've sort of earmarked that we think are particularly interesting. And I have some very specific questions I want to ask you about those. So let's go ahead and wrap up for today, which has been so interesting because I don't think anyone understands the federal system. I sure didn't until today. I didn't either. And, and I, I'm a and lawyer. I, now I'm understanding why <laughs> Joe's, Joe's frustration with his attorneys. But I think part of it was that they just didn't have access to things based on the way the system works. Yeah. You know, it so, could be the rules. Yeah. And I mean, there it's. It's amazing. It feels a little bit one-sided to me, but I'm just, that's my opinion. I'm not saying anything against anything. But anyway, so thank you for today. We will definitely have you back uh, next episode, and we're going to continue this conversation. It's fascinating, and I can't wait to keep going when we get done with this one. And thank you again, Todd. Thank you much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. The first thing you got to understand is public defenders work for the court, Okay. Uh, they get paid whether you win or lose, so they don't give a f- to start with. And Bill and Kyle uh, were paid by the, the court, and they go out to dinner with Amanda Green, they go out to dinner with Judge Polk, and uh, it's just, and their office is in the same building. I mean, come on. They were thinking they were going to put me away for 22 years, okay? But they never dreamed that Tiger King would have came out on Netflix and been a world hit because everybody was locked in at home. Now they can't cover it up. We'd like to give special thanks to our sponsor, J.R. Shrewsbury Coaching and Consulting, as well as big shout outs to our executive producer, Pat Kelly, our editor, Neil Galarte of Wild Style Media, Serena Fazan, our BO artist, and Bailey Sweeney, our social media manager. Thank you one and all. Thanks for spending your valuable time with us. Show notes or link to our website, thejudgeandjournalist.com. Make sure you don't miss any new episodes. So subscribe, tell a friend, and please feel free to rate and review us.